All right, folks, welcome to Nino's Corner.tv. I'm joined with Peter Navarro. I got my new backdrop in the background. I'm into I'm in a new studio when really all it is is just another room in my house. But um I'm 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 absolutely you know honored to be joined with Peter Navarro. Uh but first, folks, let me knock out this commercial for everybody. Keto with Nino. There's a secret diet that many celebrities, CEOs, athletes, and 12.9 million other Americans use. It's a keto diet, and it's considered an efficient way to reach weight loss goals, increase energy levels, and enhance mental focus. I'm on the keto diet myself, but progress can be slow because it takes time for the body to stop using energy from carbs. That's why I've switched to this amazing keto powder. It helps increase ketone levels in the body without the strict rules associated with the traditional keto diet, so results like boosted metabolism come sooner for me. Increase the level of ketones in your body today with it. Keto with Nino is notorious for selling out due to high demand. If you order now, you get 51% off. Hit the link below, folks. Hit the link below. All right, Peter, you ready? Yeah, bro. <laughs> you think I got a future in this business? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the FBI diet, right? Bread and water, baby. <laughs> All right, Peter Navarro, folks. Peter Kent Navarro served in the Trump administration as the assistant to the president, director of trade and manufacturing policy, and the National Defense Production Act policy coordinator. He previously served as a deputy assistant to the president and director of the White House National Trade Council, a newly created entity in the White House office until it was folded in into the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy, a new role established by executive order in April 2017. Folks, this is Peter Navarro. Thanks, Peter. Hey, great to be with you. Love your new backdrop there. You got great lighting, if I may say so myself. I don't know how you do that, but uh, it's the key, man. I got creative months of my life. You don't look a day over 21 there, baby. I'm <laughs> 45! <laughs> it's all about the lighting. Yeah, it's a lighty. <laughs> if you ever see me in person, you're going to be like, what the hell? No. Yeah, scary um, stuff, man. Well, you got two books. You got you got Death by China, okay? And you got Taking Back Trump's America, which is going to be out, you said, in September? Yeah, yeah. So, Taking Back Trump's America. I'll run this down for your audience. And and I'm glad to hear you, you have a, a younger audience because – what I like to do when I'm talking to uh, the youth of America, as it were, is like remind folks, you know, back in my day, the idea of being able to, to own a car and a house and, and have a family and live comfortably and, you know, live, you know, the, the, the picket fence and a happily ever after. That was like the norm. Um, and now, you know, a lot of young folks you know, they get in their 30s and what do they got? They got Hulu. You know, that's about it. It's just like. And, and a lot of this has to do with politics. It's, it's choices that get made. I mean, right now, uh, the Biden regime um, is, is causing an inflation that's running about 10% a year. So if you're whatever you're making in your paycheck and you're not getting any raises, you're, you're losing 10%. So politics is important. The, the Taking Back Trump's America book is really a, a blueprint uh, for taking back the House of Representatives from Nancy Pelosi uh, and her merry band of, uh, I don't know what you call them, radical progressives. Um, and, and also uh, taking back the White House for sensibility. When I was there, 
as the top trade and economic advisor, we had the strongest economy in modern history, full stop. We've got one of the weakest now. And so politics matters. You mentioned the book Death by China. It's actually a trilogy. I did um, the first one was the coming China Wars in 2006. That's the one that Donald Trump read and, and uh, he, he said it was one of his top 10 books. And that's how I, I met him through that book, Coming China Wars and then Crouching Tiger in 2015. The, the whole thrust, David, of, of, of these China books was to properly identify communist China as a threat, an existential threat to this country, both economically and militarily. And I think one of the great achievements of the Trump administration was to raise the consciousness of people here in America that communist China is indeed out to get us. It's not paranoia if it's true. And we can see now with the way they're behaving towards Taiwan, the way they're, they're back in the Russians, a way that they're all over the globe uh, doing their mischief that they, they mean us. They want to take our jobs and our money, uh, our farmland, um, our intellectual property, our trade secrets. And um, at least for four years during the Trump administration, we were standing up to that. I mean, you know, Death by China, you know, my mom's reading that book right now. So I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah, we were on our way to Phoenix yesterday, and I was like, I looked in the back seat, and I was like, Mom, you're reading? He's in the back reading your book. I was like, wow, Mom's an avid reader. But don't you think that a more proper name for the book, I mean, let's let's just be honest here. It, 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 when you really dive deep into the swamp, couldn't you say it's death by globalists or the New World Order or the Biden regime? I mean, isn't that what really what we're facing here? I mean, isn't China just as much hostage or under control of the globalists as America is? Um, look, um, Death by China, by the way, is, is also a movie. Um, it was on Netflix for like years, one of the most popular ones. It's now free on YouTube. So folks who don't want to buy the book, go go watch the film. And to your point, um, the Death by China film focuses on these globalists, how how in 2001, the globalist lobby in, in the United States lobbied to get China into the World Trade Organization, which gave communist China access uh, to our markets. Um, it's not clear to me that that the globalists control communist China per se. I think communist China uses Wall Street as much as Wall Street uses communist China. I mean, that's a that's a, a symbiotic, malignant relationship if I've ever saw one. What they share in common on Wall Street is that in China is that they all want the jobs and the sweatshops and, uh, of China, the, the pollution havens. And we're at a, a, a period right now where uh, there's great concern that the weakness is being illustrated by the Biden regime is inviting communist China uh, to put more and more pressure on Taiwan and, and, and perhaps uh, pull a trigger on an invasion, just like Russia went in, into uh, um, Ukraine. And it, it, these are troubled times. When I was in the White House, I was there, I was, you may find this interesting, David, I was only one of three senior White House officials with the president from the campaign in 2016 all the way to the end. 
Uh, that's a study in survivability and longevity. But I, I saw quite a lot when I was there. And, you know, the Taking Back Trump's America book kind of breaks down for people what Trumpism means, what populist economic nationalism means. And it's, it's the, the counterpoint to the globalist Wall Street, George Soros, Bill Gates kind of crowd um, that, that basically want to um, integrate the American economy into a world in which everybody in America, except the, the corporatists, will be worse off. So right. lots going on. So, but, you know, and, and this question here, one of my audience uh, members wanted me to ask this question, and it was, uh, you helped make America a net exporter of oil. And now the yes. Biden administration, what's that? Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. So you helped America uh, become a net exp exporter of oil. And now the Biden administration has turned America back into an importer of oil. Uh, we were making under we were making money under Trump. And now the now under Biden, we were having to buy oil with money we don't have for people who don't like us. Uh, obviously, this was done on purpose, in my opinion. So my question is, why? Uh, why would Biden do this? Is he selling us out to the globalists? I mean, obviously, it looks like he's working with the other team. Um, we got to kind of be vague here because it's YouTube. But um, I mean, obviously, his interest is a globalist yeah. interest, correct? In this case, uh, Biden is a captive of, of the radical progressive wing of the Democrat Party, which uh, views climate change as a sufficiently existential threat as to basically destroy the economy of the United States. Um, and this whole thing, when, you know, we had five pillars of growth in the Trump administration and uh, you know, free but fair trade was one of them. But but strategic energy dominance was was the key really to unleashing the frackers in Pennsylvania and North Dakota and everywhere in between. And what we were able to do by achieving strategic energy dominance and, and exporting rather importing oil was to keep the price low. First and foremost, we kept the price very, very low. So the gasoline, propane, all of that was, was cheap. That helped consumers, that helped businesses, that helped this country. And what Biden did, I mean, one of the first executive orders I wrote in the White House was uh, to move the Keystone Pipeline forward. And one of the first executive orders Biden signed was to kill that pipeline, to kill oil leasing. And when you do that, you basically um, shut off all of our uh, petroleum sources in this country. And what you quickly do is become dependent um, at the margin, as we say in economics, on countries like Russia, Iran, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia. And none of these countries uh, are going to put America first. That's for damn sure. Right. So I think that Biden did it just just because of, of, of the capture of uh, this radical wing of his party. And that's why, you know, I get back to the Taking Back Trump's America book. I wrote that as a mission, David. That's a, that's not a book. It's a mission. It's, I'm telling you, we don't get rid of Pelosi, Adam Schiff, little Jamie Raskin, um, and, the, and the rest of those clowns. Uh, bad things, big bad things are going to continue to happen, including the, the weaponization of Congress's investigatory powers. 
uh, in violation of the Constitution for ill ends. We, we don't need this issue. And I don't know if your listeners are, are aware, or viewers are aware, but in this dual system of justice we have, uh, you know, people like Hunter Biden go free. I mean, he, he, he smoked crack. Uh, and he he dealt he was he acted as an unregistered foreign lobbyist to sell out American interests. You know he's he's walking free. They put me in friggin' leg irons and solitary confinement, arrested me on a, a misdemeanor charge that, that I'm now facing two years in prison for an alleged crime which involved me standing up for the Constitution and doing my duty to this country. I mean, right. it's so like you, crazy you were- stuff. You were indicted for contempt of Congress, right? And yes, and I'm the first, the first, David, the first White House official in the history of this republic to be criminally charged with contempt of Congress. Wasn't Steve Bannon were, also uh, charged with that? He was not uh, a, a sitting White House official at the time of the events in question. Mm-hmm. Steve has been been railroaded, but his his case. Is 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 distinct from mine um, in some ways, and that that is a, a very important one. I, I was with the because this this whole kangaroo court that Congress has centers around the events of January 6, twenty twenty. I was in the White House then. I was in the White House the whole four years, and they, you know they 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 they're coming after me. Um, holding me in contempt, like I said, the first time in, in the history of this republic that's happened. You take, for example, Eric Holder, who was the attorney general under Obama. Congress held him in contempt. The Department of Justice refused to uh, file criminal charges against him. Why? You know, we're, we, let's find all of that out. You know, why was one of the interesting things about my case, David, is why was I singled out? for this for this charge i'm the only white house official who was singled out for that charge who was actively serving the president at the time of the events they let mark meadows and dan scavino off the hook for doing exactly the same thing that they allege i did well you made the argument that, that this uh, committee was set up in an unconstitutional matter and you wouldn't have to answer to them right so the committee filed on you right after you filed on the committee first, right? Is that how that worked out? Very interesting that you, you noticed that. That's good, good, good uh, journalism there, David. Yes. Um, not, ba- not bad for a boxer. <laughs> not bad, my brother. So yeah, on the I, I was uh, I was ham handedly arrested on June third, uh, twenty twenty two. Here, um, I but by the way, it's 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 comic in some ways. I mean, I literally live a field goal across the street from the FBI. You can see the FBI out my window, right? Did they come over and grab me there? No. Did they phone me, which is what they should have done? No. They followed me all the way to the airport and took me down in a jetway with five armed FBI agents. It's similar to what they did with the president uh, in Mar-a-Lago, disproportionate response. The only difference with Mar-a-Lago is they took um, automatic weapons, and with me it was handguns. But my point is that the Monday before that Friday, I had filed a civil suit against the committee and the Justice Department 
um, as a way of, of resolving this matter civilly. And among the many um, issues I raised in that civil complaint was was the improper constitution of that um, uh, that kangaroo committee. And Nancy Pelosi said it herself when she formed it. What she did was unprecedented. And it was unprecedented in the sense that what you're supposed to do, it, you, you pass a resolution in, in the House to form a committee and specify how many members you're going to have, what the rules are. You always have what's called a ranking member, which is a designee from the minority party on there. And, and the number of people is supposed to be in rough balance. So you have um, effectively a fair committee when you start handing out subpoenas like like uh, cotton candy. They didn't do any of that. Uh, they don't have a ranking member. Um, it's, it's seven Democrats with a long history going back to 2016 of trying to engineer a coup d'etat against Trump through all manner of Russia hoax, impeachments, this, that, and the other thing. And then they had the uh, the token uh, Republicans in name only in, in Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. And they neither one of them uh, qualify as ranking members because they weren't designated as such uh, by uh, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, uh, nor <laughs> nor are they welcome in the Republican Party anymore. They were sanctioned by their by their party for their for their uh, apostasy in this. So go ahead. Well, what they wanted to do with you is they wanted to create a spectacle and embarrass you and humiliate you in front of the American public. That's what they were out to do. Interestingly, when they grabbed me at the airport in the jetway, five armed FBI agents, all, you know what? I don't know what weight class you fought in, David, but I, I would be, uh, I would be probably a, a, a lightweight or a featherweight. Uh, you know, I, I, I clock in at about 145. If I starve myself overnight for the weigh-in, maybe 139. You know, but yeah, but I'm like 73 years old. It's like so five armed FBI agents. Um, they sent me, but but here's what was interesting. It's like I you know I asked them if I I want to make a call for legal advice. That's pretty standard. They wouldn't let me do that. They, they take wow. my phone and they, they basically sequester me for almost three hours in solitary confinement in, in leg irons after a strip search. Right. But the punchline here is that they grab me about 1130 and within nanoseconds, as I'm being transported out of incommunicado by the FBI, um, they had leaked the, the, the bread and circus political ambush to the press and it was all over the news. Mm. So, I mean, when they did that, they pretty much revealed their hand, their intent right. to, to, you know, it's the, the modern day version of the, the stockade. And um, it, look, I, for your listeners, the young folks out there, if we're going to have a country, we need to have a, a fair system of justice. We just need that. And we need to have in the legislative branch people to work in a bipartisan fashion. And in the White House, we, we need to have, like, smart people. And right now, we don't have any of that. No. No, it's a you joke. Know? It's a joke. I can't even believe what I'm watching. I, I, it's 
this I'm almost like this has to be a movie. It's like a bad dream. I, I just don't understand what I'm looking at here. I look at I look at Biden and he looks like he's an android. Or I mean, dude, it's it's the craziest shit show I've ever seen. I just I don't even know. If, like this is real life. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it's, and, I then, and then they're treating you guys like this is like a third world country. And and I mean, it just it blows my mind, Peter. I don't even know. Yeah, well, by the way, for your for your listeners, PeterNavar.com, PeterNavar.com, you can you can find out all about my legal issues, which are interesting in and of themselves, as well as figure out how to order the Taking Back Trump's America book. But, but I, I want to say again to your viewers and listeners, it's like this is the time for action, action, action. That's the credo of Taking Back Trump's America. And what we really need to do if we're going to stop this insanity is in November, make sure that the speaker's gavel is taken from the clutches of Nancy Pelosi and is transferred to a Trump Republican. That's the only way we're going to stop the harm they're doing, stop the weaponization unconstitutionally of the investigatory powers of Congress. And look, I'm, look if you got a bunch of young people in your audience, I'm sure some of them don't don't think the world of orange man bad. You know, it's like yeah. you get like Trump derangement syndrome. But what I say to those folks is just step back for a minute. Think about your own economic welfare and security. And just just you have to admit during those four years, you were more prosperous and you were safer. And that's all you can ask of a president. And that's what Trump did. And I was proud to be by his side, helping him do it. Well, you know, when you say safer, one of the things that, that that Biden did under NATO was using our tax dial, our tax dollars, and shipped all our a lot of our American military weapons to Ukraine. Um, my question is: this, do we have enough left here at home to protect ourselves? I mean, there, it seems like to me like they're shipping everything out to U- Ukraine using our tax dollars. When we um took over in 2017, David, uh, from the Obama-Biden administration, our military combat readiness was at a historic low. Um, We were stretched in terms of um, uh, materiel and and weapons systems. We were able uh, to build that back up, but again, we're in a situation not only where we're sending weapon systems abroad, but we're also cutting our defense budget, which means we're not replenishing. Um, at the same time, we're showing weakness. I mean, you, you were a fighter. I mean, you go in and if you showed weakness, well, what happened? Your opponent came right at you. And the, the, any shred, any, any chink in your armor, you will be exposed. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we, <laughs> a lot of them in the Biden regime. I mean, these people, I mean, it's, it's just, I remember, Many times in the negotiations we had with the communist Chinese, and this guy Tiger Yang was one of the leaders of their delegation. It's like he wouldn't have had had the balls to go after us um, as we were negotiating across the table. Okay, and he would, he just he wouldn't. I mean, he he knew that we'd come back back hard, so he kept his tigerness in check, right? But the first time he had a shot at, at uh, Tony Blinken um, and Biden, he just ripped them apart. And he's been doing it ever since. So yeah, it, they sense it's weakness. weakness. It's, it's weakness. weakness. It's weakness. 
But let, let me ask you another question. This is an important question for me. But what was it like working for Trump? Uh, like, for example, Patrick Byrne, okay, stated Trump seemed befuddled and confused December 18th in 2020, very unsure of himself and wouldn't sign the Insurrection Act. Uh, is that the Trump you know? Okay. Do you think um, he still, do you, do you think Trump st still has what it takes to be a sharp president? unlike Biden, like what we see from Biden. Do you still, Trump's getting older in age. First of all, what was it like working for him? Does does Patrick Byrne have any truth in what he said? And do you think Trump has what it takes to to forge us into the future? That's all, that's all spin. I can tell you that the times I cherished the most in the White House was when I was in the Oval, um, either alone with the boss or with the trade group. And, and we'd sit there and talk through serious issues uh but always with um with with a, a hint of humor about the whole situation and what i was what i was observed whether it was in a cabinet meeting or in, in these meetings trump was always the sharpest guy in the room and and he would sometimes uh, somebody be talking and he doesn't suffer fools gladly. He'd either finish their sentence for him because he knew what the hell they were going to say, <laughs> or he'd just cut him off and go on to the next person. They, that guy, he's a, he's a polymath master chess player. And I, these people who, who do the spin about any of the befuddled or whatever, it's like it's the Bell, Pel, Bill Belichick thing. You, you are what your record says you are. Okay? Strongest economy in modern history, Donald Trump. Peace, so he, he China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Donald Trump. So he basically you know, it is what it is. Yeah, he basically he just didn't have time for stupidity and no, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't. No, 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 no. He uh, and yeah, I, I think um, when you read my books, this taking back Trump's America, I, I, I. Um, I was um, arguably the most blunt and candid person in the West Wing. Uh, I just told him exactly what I thought. Sometimes he didn't want to hear it, but he heard it. And um, he never chastised me for, for telling him the truth. And oh, He has uh, to respect that. Uh, that kind yeah. of man would respect that. He does not, he does not want people blowing smoke. Uh, he needs what he calls killers. And he needs he needs loyalty and honesty. And, you know, that's what you got. And, you know, a lot of the taking back Trump's America book goes into some of the personnel, the bad personnel in there. You know, they say personnel is policy. Well, I, I in the taking back Trump's America book, it's bad personnel is bad policy. It's like whether it was uh, Jim Mattis at the Pentagon or Rex Tillerson at State or Steve Mnuchin at Treasury. I mean, these people, they just ultimately didn't belong there. Um, and yeah, they, I did they, notice, I mean, everyone noticed was that he did have a lot of deep state bad actors around him. Yeah. I've always wondered that. Why does he have these people around him? Well, that's part of what the, that's what the first half of the, the Taking Back Trump's America book's about. And it, it, it goes back to, to what I call the original sin of the administration, which is the decision made uh, by uh, Trump's so-called brain trust to let the, um, the rhinos in into the tent, thinking that if we, if we get all 
get along. We, we needed um, a united Republican Party uh, to govern. And so particularly early on, the, some of these bad personnel got in there based on bad recommendations to the boss. And you know, it happened. We got stuck with him. I mean, but 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 to his credit, <laughs> Trump got rid of him quick. John Bolton. I mean, it, it, talk, talk about a loser, John Bolton. I mean, that guy, <laughs> I, look, that, that guy, I, I remember he'd come, he'd come into a staff meeting one day and he was like, I thought he was on Viagra or something because he was like giddy about the idea of invading Venezuela. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? <laughs> what are you thinking, dude? And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it, but, but, Still, despite that, Donald Trump has a record, arguably will go down in history, both as the best president in modern history on the economy and national security, but also the guy, the only guy who stood up to China. Right. I'm in China. I hope we see him back, Peter. Yeah, well, taking back Trump's America, think about the title. 2024. Let's get him in there. But but November 1st, let's get Pelosi the hell out of here. You know, there's some races out there. I don't know if your listeners are dispersed around the country. Like we've got to get the uh, the Troika governors elected, uh, the Trump MAGA people in Cary Lake in Arizona, Tudor Dixon in Michigan, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania. You for your viewers, anybody in those states, go help those folks out. And Mark, I got to tell you. I'm really happy Cheney's out. <laughs> well, that, um, you know, Schadenfreude's a bitch. Um, yeah, and she, um, look, the reason he, your listeners, viewers need to understand why Liz Cheney hated Donald Trump is for one very simple reason. Trump was the only candidate for president in 2016 in the Republican side who basically said flat out that, that the Bush-Cheney presidency was an abject failure because of the endless wars it created in Afghanistan and Iraq. And there was blood, particularly on Dick Cheney's hands. And I'll tell you, David, if you if you look at kind of the players in those endless wars in Bush Cheney, you had, of course, Bush himself. You had Paul Wolfowitz as one of the useful intellectual idiots, such as it was. You had Don Rumsfeld Pentagon. You had uh, General Powell, who was the was the fall guy at the United Nations on the yellow cake issue, lied to the world. Um, but ultimately, the puppet master and the person most responsible for the millions of people who, who were died or, or died or got wounded was Dick Darth Vader Cheney. Mm-hmm. And and Liz. She's the spawn and the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And, and the idea that she would go after Trump to preserve Darth Vader's legacy is absurd. You know, what was funny, David, I don't know if you saw the commercial, but yeah. a few days before the election, Dick Cheney cuts this commercial for Liz, for, uh, for Wyoming, thinking somehow it's going to sway people. And his whole message was, uh, I hate Donald Trump and we can't have Trump back in. We got to get keep Lizzie. <laughs> she went from about 35% in the polls down to about 29. 
So obviously, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it, it blows my mind. It doesn't. I mean, I see these guys coming a mile away, you know, but it does blow my mind when I see someone like Joe Rogan come out and say Donald Trump is a threat to our democracy. I'm like, come on, man, you know. Like Did he I, say that? I didn't see that. That's that was right? all over Twitter and everything. I mean, I yeah. I was. I mean, it well, really... Joe, you know, Joe, Joe felt the uh, the heat there when when he tried to kind of get out of his space a little bit and tell the truth. And his Spotify contract got threatened and, and he, <laughs> he quickly got in line and I, I called him to account for it. And um, I'll have to look at, at that one uh, to do the same because uh, look, the problem is, there's just a lot of folks out there in the media who make a lot of money uh, dissing Donald Trump. You know, it's like I was uh, passing a TV screen today and I saw Peter Strzok on CNN. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, this guy's making like six figures or more as a commentator on CNN. That was the son of a bitch in the FBI, top echelon, who basically was most responsible for the Russia hoax which everybody now knows was a complete hoax. There wasn't a shred of truth in that hoax. And Strzok was the guy who helped move that along with, with uh, bogus FISA warrants and all that. And what is he? Yeah, they put Navarro in leg irons and Strzok's on CNN with a big check. I mean, go figure. Well, Peter, thank you for joining. I'd love to have you back on again, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Now and then. You know, it would, we'll it would, do it when the book comes out, maybe in October or something like that. That'd be fun. Okay, can you? Can, is there any way we could do a more in depth, like dive into the deep, dark underbelly of the of the deep state with you on the next interview? I mean, that probably sure. would make YouTube, but it could go on Rumble and it could go on Nino's Corner. Can we do that? Because that's really what I want to talk about. That's like the real deep, dark stuff is what I really want to talk about. Well, we'll get you. We'll get you a copy of the Taking Back Trump's America book because I name all sorts of names. In the deep state, I mean, people you'll never, you've never heard of, and never will hear again. But they're illustrative of how the deep state filter. It's not just like who's running at the top; it's it's the bureaucrats that filter down that that really uh, can do sometimes more damage than the name you might be familiar with. Yeah, that that'd be. That'd be great. Where, where, Peter? Where can people people find you on social media? Is there a place they can find you? Are you even on? Sure. <laughs> I I recommend uh, that they go to PeterNavar.com, PeterNavar.com, and from there you can get my uh, Getter and Twitter feeds and True Social, and um, and find out more about the uh, about the Taking Back Trump's America book. So PeterNavar.com is kind of the one stop shop. I got that website. I. I don't know, just about a year after Al Gore invented the internet, I think. So I was lucky. uh... (laughs) Let me get this straight. One one last question. Like when you, so Trump approached you because he read your book and then he asked you to come on board. So uh, I actually tell, I actually tell the whole story in the Taking Back Trump's America book. But the short version is I write The Coming China Wars in 2006. In 2011, he's asked by a L.A. Times reporter what's his favorite China books, and he proceeds to reel off 20 of them. And I'm, I'm, I think, number six or seven on his list. So I sent him a note to Trump Tower, and we began correspondence from there. 
That is um, and then, uh, you know, when he when he declared for um, president, I, I sent him a note saying, you know, whatever you need, boss. That's incredible, man. Peter, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. I'd love to have you back on. I am yeah, my brother. I'm going to premiere this up on uh, YouTube tonight. So, Peter, everybody, Peter Navarro, thank you for joining me on Nino's Corner.tv, Peter. Uh, my brother, you take care of yourself. All right, you too. God bless you, sir. Show no weakness. What's that? Show no weakness. No, I never have. I never <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, hey, that's me. I mean, oh, by the way, you said what weight division you've been? You've been in a lightweight in the senior division. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like my chances. <laughs> All right, Peter, take care. Bye. God bless.